Hey, good evening, everybody, and welcome to the third episode of the Antimarchy.org podcast. I am Matt Yeti, and I'm here with Jake Vigliotti. He's on the other end of the iChat line down there in sunny Florida. Jake, how's it going, man? Not bad. A little rainy today, but uh, not bad at all. Thank you. Oh, Jake and his weather down there. Well, we have a short, um, kind of a short intro to what we're going to do with this podcast. We're going to kick around some um, fan emails. We're going to talk about the 2007 tour, and then we're going to kick it to the Mark Batson interview that I did with him over the phone back in 2005 before the album came out, uh, given the latest news uh, that Mark will not be producing the band's next album. We figured it would be a fitting time to kind of look back and uh, see where the band was and and what Mark's thoughts were before that album came out. So I guess, uh, Jake, we can start with the the tour just wrapped up at Hollywood Bowl and and uh, looks like our news came true with the plethora of guests because they went out with quite a bang with Mayer and Stephen Marley and just a, a number of guests and even 34 coming out for Ashley's birthday. So it's, it's and, yeah, and, and 34 with words, which is just completely shocking, something that I don't think anyone expected to hear. And it's kind of amazing that even the very last show, although it was a special song just for, for Ashley's birthday, you know, they were still debuting songs on the very last show, and that, that gives people a lot of promise for next year, too. Well, that's what I had hit on a little bit on the last podcast was, you know, they'll, they'll take a, a rare song or two, then they'll play it consecutive nights or, you know, a, a lot of the next few shows, and, and that's basically the staple for the tour. They did that back in 03 with uh, The Last Stop and Dreaming Tree. They just played the hell out of those songs to the point where, all right, enough. And, and I don't really ever think they got into that groove this summer, and that's a good thing where, you know, they they play an out-of-nowhere song for a few nights, and then they move on to something different, which is cool, even though I don't think they got to, to everything that they might have promised us, too. Yeah, that's the way it would seem. It seems like there were still some songs they wanted to get out and wanted to play, but, you know, this was a, an especially short tour uh, compared to some others. It started much later than the last, you know, five, six, seven years at least. So that kind of limited them in what they could play. They also had a number of new songs they were trying to work out and continually to work out every single night. So it's hard to kind of get that balance. You know, you want to play some songs that are, you know, essentially easy for the band. You want to play some new songs. And you also want to bring back some old songs for the fans. Well, I mean, there was an incredible amount of balance. And I know that there are going to be plenty of people who disagree with me. And everyone's got their own opinion on the tour. I was very pleased to see the mix of sets and songs that they did this year. Um, of course, Stefan had that poll, uh, which asked the fans, you know, vote on the songs you want to hear and we'll play them. And, you know, I know some came true and, and some didn't. Well, I, you know, in, in his offense, I don't think he actually said we'll play them. But it, it certainly was insinuated that, hey, what songs do you want to hear that we haven't played in a while? And, and Blue Water Baboon Farm won by, you know, a billion votes. And I guess Stefan even commented on that, oh, wow, it's a song we've heard in a while, blah, blah, blah. Really gave people a lot of hope. And then, you know, nothing. Not a sound check, not a tease. 
it, you know, it's it's I, I don't I don't understand that at all. If you're gonna put a poll up and ask people for a song they want to hear, you know, play the freaking song. You know, it, you know, it's like going out on a date with a girl and she tells you exactly where you're gonna get at the end of the night and you know you get a kiss on the cheek. <laughs> you know, that's not gonna fly, especially with with this crowd. It sounds like some bitter experience on your end. I, I, was that something like that, Jake? That was a little flashback to, to Nam there. Sorry about that. I, uh, just, uh, if I ever get my hands on her again. I'm sorry. I'm back. I'm back. I'm okay. I'm but, uh, okay, so no winter tour this year. Um, no immediate plans about the album. There's There hasn't been any word, well, okay, they're back in there next week. Nothing like that. But one would assume that given the, the new songs and uh, the shortened tour and, and the time off in terms of the winter tour that, They'll at least have the motivation or the, the energy to get back in there. Maybe kick something out in time for uh, you know a summer or early fall release, hopefully in 2008. It seems to be with this band, the quicker they get on the ball when the ball is rolling, the better things are. If they put off their studio time, there's no telling what's going to happen. You know, they're, they're going to be if they can jump in the studio by November, December, knock something out, like everyone's going to be quite happy. I would have to agree with that. Uh, all right, Jake. Well, what do you say we take a few uh, listener emails? That sounds good. We have uh, Supmaster6, whose real name is Matt, uh, asking, how did Rashawn Ross join the band for what appears to be a permanent gig, and why? <laughs> well, that's a complicated question there. Well, he, he was actually, um, ironically enough, he was the the um, touring trumpeter for Soul Live. He wasn't really even in Soul Live, the band. He was just on tour with them playing trumpet and he made an appearance um in hartford on um, june 18th of 2005 that was the first time he he sat in with the band he played on um louisiana bayou and apparently what happened was there was a real chemistry between he and kind of the sound of, of the band and he got along very well with roy he got along actually with, with all the members of the band so they asked him to come back for more and more songs and and then they decided, you know what, why don't you come out in 2006 and, and tour with us? And basically, he's there now. And, and it seems to be as his role expands, he's playing on more songs. He's, he's singing on more songs. He's singing backup lyrics now more often. I, I would guess that he's pretty much here to stay. I'm, I'm personally not a huge fan of the of the trump, of trumpet sound with the Dave Matthews band. I love the trumpet as the instrument. I'm really not sure how I like how it fits because it almost seems like Rashawn and Roy have developed some licks that get played over and over again. I almost feel like, this is just my personal opinion, but I feel like they box each other in. Just my personal opinion, but I will say this. I was at Saratoga this year when Dave uh, played some devil mid-set, and then Carter kicked in and the rest of the band joined him, and Rashawn had that muted trumpet playing, and that might have been one of my favorite moments ever in going to shows, is hearing that song full band and what Rashawn's trumpet added to that song. So... Um, it's not all bad for, not that any of it's bad, but, uh, you know, there are moments where the trumpet works and I think the full band Some Devil is definitely that moment. Yeah, there's, I mean, I, I have to agree with you, unfortunately. There's, there's times I like it and there's times that, you know, I say that a trumpet belongs to seventh grade band, but, you know, he adds a lot to some songs and the songs where he's very, very good, he's very good. And then there's some songs, like you're saying, it seems like he and Roy are really kind of boxing each other out. Well, okay. Our next message is from BP Clemens. No relation to Roger, my hamstring hurts, Clemens. Uh, <laughs> last year at the summer tour closer, 
a bum or some kind of man who looked disheveled walked upon the stage. He had to be taken out by security. Uh, what do we know about that? And more importantly, did they call an audible and switch from the last stop to a shorter and a much safer stay? Oh, boy. What? This is complicated question week, apparently. Um, Matt, as you know, as you, you were there and, and I was there in Charlottesville. Yes, a, uh, a man in a trench coat, trench coat guy, as he's affectionately known. Uh, apparently what he did was at John Paul Jones, you know, whatever the heck the name of the place is, he was able to climb down from the very top of the top section all the way down the stage area, which was a good, you know, 35 feet or so. They climbed down there toward the end of what would be American Baby intro. And as the band was playing along, it sounded like to us that, that uh, they were going to go into Halloween. But apparently Stefan said, no, that wasn't the case. They were about to go into last stop when essentially this guy just sort of walked up right behind uh, Carter in a trench coat, which was really very strange. And luckily, the, the great DMV security was, was right on top of it, and they got him the heck out of there. And according to Stefan and also some other people, the band just said, you know what, forget this. Let's get out of here. Let's just play stay, call it a night, and be happy that nobody was hurt. Yeah, that was uh, quite disappointing. It, it's something that, that you come so close to, to hearing, and you know that they were actually, and almost the knowledge that they were going to play it makes it sting a little bit more. It was just one of the most surreal things. Cause it just, it, the guy seemed to come out of nowhere, and basically he just walked up behind Carter, and all of a sudden everyone's like, what the hell was that? Yeah, and, I think some videos then, popped up then, on YouTube shortly thereafter, and somebody got a good shot of Carter. And if any fan of the band, if you know Carter, you think of Santa Claus, big cheery smile, just absolute I, jolly is is the word. If if I had one word to describe his personality, it, it'd be jolly. And the look on his face, just kind of, is a really sad way to end uh, what I think was one of the, the band's favorite two night stands ever. Yeah, it really was, and it was, and it was a really good tour last year as well. And, you know, I think this year's may have eclipsed it, although that's up to de you know debate. But it really, you know, kind of put a, a sour feeling at the end there. It was really kind of very bizarre. It's a good reminder to your kids out there. You know, alcohol is a fun thing and everything, but no need to really get up on stage. That's not necessary. There are people getting paid to do just that. <laughs> exactly. All right, we got one more question, Jake, before we move on to the interview. Um, it's from Tyler Lockhart. And this kind of ties in with the whole uh, Stefan poll. Is do you think AntsMarching.org could ever influence the band to play uh, Monkey Man? Yes, <laughs> pretty much. Yes, it could. I think there's a couple things holding back that song in particular. And um, I'm not a guitarist or anything, but I understand that some of the riff is, was taken and put in it, put into uh, So Right, and that may cause the song to go away. But there's no reason that a mass moving movement that ants could not influence the band. Even, you know, somebody getting a word or, you know, to one of the band members, hey, you guys had this song back in 2000 that basically got, you know, forgotten, and it's a really great song. You should go back and revisit it. So, yeah, certainly it, it could potentially happen. Did you mention that So Right thing to bait me, Jake? Uh, yes, I did. I don't know if you've noticed, whenever that's come up, that Monkey Man, quote-unquote, evolved into Monk... Or, Yes, into So Right, that lights my fire. One, if it did anything, it devolved, in my opinion. And two, <laughs> uh, I think to say that the Monkey Man riff is 
that's the same rift that lives out and so right is is a, is a very big stretch um that's like saying Danny California is last Mary Jane's Last Dance by Tom Petty. I, you're stretching it. Yeah, there's maybe a little similarities here, but you could say Gray Street and Tripping Billies are the same song if you're going to subscribe to that theory too. So I don't hear it at all. I'm not a guitarist at all, but I don't hear it. I can usually pick up on things fairly well. I don't hear it at all, but I know it's been mentioned a billion times. Yeah, people seem to like to beat that, and maybe it makes them feel better about Monkey Man never showing up. I know it was checked at, uh, I know it was Colorado. Ralph Wilson stadium. Actually my first show in Buffalo. I'm, I'm pretty positive. I'm not not hundred percent sure. I'm pretty sure that it was checked at that show. Um, I I know it was checked in Colorado in 2000 because there is allegedly a tape out there by some, uh, person that has some good tapes allegedly. hmm. So they, they, you know, they had it in their minds at least at one point. It's got a, great beat it's got one of the best endings to any song they've ever done and just you know that's another one that just just lost to the ages it just seems like a lot of the songs that originated on that album uh there's almost an apprehension to it 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 feels like you're getting from the band is they're scared to go back and touch it even even jtr you know one of the coolest songs i think they do live and whether they got sick of it or what but you know that disappears for a while comes back very briefly and then goes back into hibernation Plus and stuff, you know, gone. Big Eyed Fish, we already talked about the mess that became. You just a number of songs. Anything, I mean, other than Gray Street, you really haven't seen anything come from that. Those sessions that the band really has stuck through. It's, yeah, I it's mean, very strange. I mean, but I guess you could say bartender. Yeah, but bartender yeah, but, too. But, but even that has kind of slipped off the dock too. You know, if I if I told you back before the tour started that you would hear Dreaming Three more times than you hear JTR, you'd probably laugh. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, but, it, you know, one of those things, it's gone constantly, and all of a sudden it's gone again. And who knows when it's going to come back? It's going to come back. Well, I think, Jake, we can probably wrap it up. Um, the interview with Mark is about 20 minutes, and we don't want to go too awful long with the podcast and bore anybody to sleep. Um, Yankees should be wrapping up their win against Cleveland right now. And although I'm not a Yankees fan, I'd still like to see Boston and New York in the ALCS for a little uh, enjoyable baseball, I think. But, well, uh, I am a Yankee fan, so I do want to see the Yankees win. You are a Yankee fan? I am indeed. This guy's got some nerve living in Florida. American, New York's retirement home. Exactly. What are you talking about? we got more Yankee fans here than New Jersey. <laughs> but who cares about Jersey? <laughs> well, that's another podcast. So I think we will sign off for now. Um, for those listening at the beginning with the astute ear, Jake, what did they hear? They heard any noise, anti-noise. Which that one in particular is from the October 1st, 1993 show, which has evolved into Say Goodbye. That is a, a early version of Say Goodbye, and a really great song. That's probably my favorite version of Any Noise. Really nice song. It just, you know, turn into Say Goodbye, you're never going to hear it again. But uh, it, it's still a great song. It's one of those lost classics. Well, the next podcast, we're going to get into a little bit more about the live tracks, recordings, the releases, and what kind of thought process the band and management go through and what factors are taken into consideration when they do decide what live track, what shows to release for live tracks from what time periods, venues, and et cetera. So that's something to look forward to in the next podcast. We're hoping to get that done by next weekend. Um, so I guess, Jake, we can sign off here. What we're going to do is, is roll the Mark uh, Batson interview, and that was from... April 2005, I spoke with Mark on the phone, 
and it's about 20 minutes. And uh, keep checking back for uh, all the latest in DMB news at ampsmarching.org. Exactly. Talk to you next time there. Jake, we'll see you later. All righty. How's it going? I really appreciate you giving me a call. Hey man, thanks for thanks for having me. Man. Anytime. It's really cool to see you know the band and, and you guys uh, reaching out you know on not so common avenues. It's definitely cool. Right, 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 right. Well, the bands make Dave Matthews band what it is. Absolutely. All right. I know you're busy, so I guess we'll get started. Great. Um, when the band approached you as being a possible producer, were you familiar with a significant amount of the catalog, or were you pretty much just, you know, familiar with the radio singles? There was a time when I was uh, probably more of a fan than I became in the later years, probably around 96, you know, 97, 98. Still kind of early. Uh, yeah, kind of early in the, in the band. Well, I saw the band perform, uh, I think it was at Giant Stadium. But that year that they performed, they had they spent a lot of time in Europe that year. And I was oh. doing a lot of tours, like summer festival kind of tours. Oh. And so I got to see them in Amsterdam, I think in Shepherd's Bush, you know, or, or whatever. It was just like this band that did this great music. So that to me, I thought it was going to be like a big band in Europe, like an immense. Wow. Of, you know, you know I, I, that's what I thought it would be. And uh, that's how I actually became familiar with them is just from... Uh, seeing seeing them perform and play shows. That's incredible. It, it, that's funny now that you're producing them, you kind of look back and say, wow, I had no idea something like that would ever right, happen. Right, That's And that's why the challenge is so difficult, you know, for me, is to just say, not say, let's go in the studio and we, let's just make five songs just like the songs I love. Yeah, <laughs> you and, know and it's, it's probably an issue with you, you just want to sit back and not work and just listen to it at times. Hey, can you guys just play, you know, <laughs> just all the songs from this album for me personally? <laughs> You know, crash in and just hit that. You know, we put that out. You know, that's that was the challenge of not getting um, caught and just wow, this is this fantastic band that I've loved for years. Oh, that's definitely an interesting insight to that. That's funny. That's funny. That's that's very cool though that you've that you actually got to see them. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have seen them. Was there a was there a general was there a general plan going into the sessions as what what the band and you were looking to accomplish or was it more of a let's just show up and and we're gonna do our thing. Well, they they came to me. Uh, we we had we talked after a show. I went to see them at the uh, I think it was the Home Depot Center. Mm-hmm. And uh, after the show, I got you know the beautiful experience to actually instead of being in the audience, go in the back <laughs> and oh, talk man. with the guys in the band, which was like this phenomenal experience. And uh, what when we talked, what they were looking for, the band was looking for, was the band was looking to begin a new evolution, so to speak. They were, they were wanting to try something new, something sonically new, musically new, breaking, you know, the rules of what they had done in the past. Oh, man. And uh, so when we sat down and, and, and we talked that night after the show, they they said, well, can, can you help us with this? Can you come together with us and this is what we're going to do or whatever? And so we all agreed that we would, you know, get together and try a couple of the songs and see what happened. Uh, at that time, I just went into a deep kind of meditation process, like mm-hmm. thought process, like what can I do with this? This is a great band. It's me, like you know, you know, uh, uh, you know, Crowded Streets might be one of the best, you know, albums. Oh, we are and, on the same page for sure. You know, what I'm saying so. You know, what am I going to do now? You know, what I'm saying you know, with that, you know, to, to evolve that. 
And then I started thinking about the way I saw the band perform and, and, and this, that, and other. And I said, well, what if each guy, if I could focus on each guy in the band individually, see what they had to offer individually, what they were listening to, what they were thinking about, and then come that back into the group collectively. And that's the decision. We sat down and we talked about it, and, and they said, yo, let's give it a try and see what happens. That, that was the plan. So then each guy got a day or a day or a couple of days where they would come in. Carter would come in some days and just play and then, you know, write songs and then, you know, boys would come in and everybody shared their ideas. So it kind of was uh, uh, um, different than how we thought it would be. Uh, but it, it, it all kind of wound up working wow. really smoothly. That, that sounds really cool. Definitely cool. Uh, let's see here. Um Oh, here's a cool one. Do you find the transition from, you know, you're predominantly R&B prior to this project. Yeah. Did you find the transition to where, like, kind of almost a rock jam bandish kind of group, did you find that more difficult or actually easier because, uh, you know, and you would know more about this than I, but f- from what the public perception is, I'm guessing production would play a more important role in the R&B yeah. world. Well, well, see, for me, it, you have to understand, for me, it's not just, it's the history of the music that I've actually done. See, although the records that I might have made in the last whatever years, the, 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 probably the records that are the most known that I've made are uh-huh. hip-hop records. I come from a tradition of jazz. I mean, my first album I made was a piano trio with myself and my brother and Jerry Allen. Oh, wow. Songs, Jimi Hendrix songs live, you know, on, you know, just with open pianos on, you know. Uh, then, you know, I played in a jam band with a guy named John Paul Varelli, who was the last guitar player to play with Miles. Uh, when I was in college, I had a big band at Smithsonian Museum for, th- you know, three or four years. Oh, my God. piece repertory ensemble that played, like, Duke Ellington music, Fats Waller, music from the, you know, from the 30s and 40s. Like, I had my own big band, and I played a lot of different kinds of music for years and years. And I played in bands and toured in bands, little jam bands or... Of bands that just went to play at North Sea Jazz Festival, and you know, I played in soap rock bands, alternative wow. bands, you know, uh, reggae bands. You know, I played with with the Calypso, with the Mighty Sparrow. It, I just played a lot of music since I was a little kid. This is cool. Um, so when I met with the band and we talked, and you know, I, I lived in D.C. You know, and I'm playing jazz music with jazz piano in D.C. And, you know, this, these guys are from Virginia, so it's like a D.C., Virginia sure. collective, like that area, D.C., Virginia, Maryland. So we knew so many of the same guys, musicians, that we had all played with together, that we had <sighs> studied with. Um, um, Stefan, his bass, his acoustic bass teacher, was the bass player in my repertory ensemble at the Smithsonian. Talk about six degrees of separation, huh? Six, stuff like, like that, right. Wow. I mean, we knew, and then and it's so much music that we have shared, like different alternatives, different albums, wow. like you know, April Souls, the Art Ensemble of Chicago, like different adventurous type music. That that that's what the thing that made them say, let's go, let's go with Mark, because Mark is going to say, you know, he's going to be able to work with us on the fact that we want our beats to hit hard. We want, we want, our, we want, you know, we want people to jump up when they hear the album. We want people. That's what the whole thing was beginning, like. It, we want to make some music that the people just get up out their seats and, and get this amazing feeling. And, and I think it was so beautiful that it wound up being called Stand Up, you know, after that. Definitely. That's, 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 that's what the goal is, is to make you, when you put the record on, you just dance and get up out your seat. And um, so, yeah, I, I say that I've done a lot of hip-hop and R&B records, but I've actually played live music in a way uh, more 
Wow. Uh, type of bands and also recorded some records. Uh, yeah. I have a record with John Paul Borelli called Saints and Sinners. It's kind of a really jammed out kind of record. Well, you and know what? It, got, it, I'm sorry. I was going to say it's good that I'm recording this because I'm going to go back and, and, and check it out and possibly yeah, go out and buy that out. album. I, I absolutely want to. Yeah, yeah. It was quite a lot of adventurous music I, I, I kind of grew up playing and recording. And um, um, I think at some point I started having a lot of success with these alternative R&B groups. It started probably within the IRE. Yep. Uh, which is, you know, kind of like R&B, but a, a little jazz, too. Oh, yeah. She's she's very, she's undefinable when it comes down to right, it. Right, right. Exactly. Like, and that's, those are the bands I chose to work with. I just uh. don't feel, I, I did Steel's last album, um, yep. uh, uh, which is really like an alternative, different kind of mm-hmm. thing. You know, uh, that, that's the music I've always been interested in. It just keeps pushing boundaries. I think the artists I work with, I've been blessed enough that they have been risk-taking, boundary-breaking artists. Yep. Well, I think um, especially running into DMB at this point in their career is exactly what they were looking for. Yeah, they, that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to go back and, and go back and have a new beginning. Okay. Uh, uh, to write songs in a different way. Yep. Write choruses in a different way. I mean, to think that some of the choruses are chants on this record. You know, they're chants. Oh, man, I'm uh, looking forward to it. You'll see when you hear them play live and you hear, see how the audience responds, what the intention was when the song was created. Wow. That's really cool. Um, I noticed on the American Baby single, you were uh, you're given a co-writing credit. Yeah. Um, are there any other songs in the album that that will find giving you the same thing? Lots. Lots. But the, right. the, the process that we that we used to create was a group writing process. Okay. Uh, where let's say I would go in and then maybe I'd write a little bit with Boy, and then Dave would come and write to that, and then Carter would come write, and then Stefan would come write. And then the world would come right. And then, but you know, everybody contributed uh, uh, in a group setting, in a group environment, just sharing ideas back and forth. Uh, so uh, everybody in the band is considered to be writers. When you probably see the credits on the record, a lot of songs will say written by Dave Matthews Band and Mark Beck. Wow, I like the sounds of that. That's, that's very cool because then, you, you know, you get all kinds of different flavors of music. It, you know, Dave might have come in with an awesome vibe that day, but then Boyd comes right. in with something and it takes it to another level. That's what would happen. That's what would happen. I mean, a, a song would start one way and then it would change this way and then, you know, Leroy would come in and just kind of change what the song meant. And wow. then we just kind of go back, you know, go back to the drawing board and just come up with something that fit. There were songs that would be like really intricate choruses all drawn out. And then, you know, we'd be like, you know, three or four takes in and then it was like the chorus became two words. <laughs> it was more effective. Well, I have heard rumblings that that you guys kicked out a lot of material. Now, yeah. I on the single CD it says "Scene One Stand Up." There right. were rumors that you guys were thinking about a double disc. The Scene One does that have anything to do with that, or is that a coincidence? You know, I'm actually not sure of that one. I saw the Scene One thing. I think that maybe, I, you know, I, maybe that was somebody's intention somewhere along the line, but I'm not exactly sure. Did you guys ever talk about it? We talked about making as much music as possible. I mean, cool. we went up there and we went down to Virginia, and you know, we kind of just shut it down and we closed the doors down there. And 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 maybe you know, uh, out of the songs that made it to the album, it's about twenty-five or thirty, and then there was maybe another you know, fifteen or twenty more even ideas that were beginning to be developed. Oh, so you're saying uh, like twenty-five or thirty were were considered basically album complete? 
well, not album complete because album complete means just focusing in and pick. We pick certain songs and focused and completed them for the album. But there's a okay. lot of songs that are you know, almost done, or oh. that, you know, and maybe a, a good ten or so that are done as well. That just need to be finished to be, you know, if they were going right. to come out with a record, they would need to be worked on. Your touches more. and stuff but like that. There's some great material. There were some songs that you know that just didn't fit. This, you know, the, the whole goal of this actual album was to make a complete statement, a complete statement now. And that's why even the title wound up being so, so simple. Yep. It was a complete statement, stand up. You know what I mean? I do that's like what that. The band, yeah, that's where they are right now. That's what they want to see the fans do. That's the energy that they're putting out. So there were, you know, songs that were great, but they didn't say what needed to be said to make that complete statement on the album. So we had to put those songs to the side and, and, and right. just get really focused so that, you know, to the, to the average listener just is going to go to the store and just buy this modern, really cool Jay Matthews band album well, that makes one complete statement. Well, I know? tell you that from from listening to the clips that I've heard, and I um, Patrick Jordan actually invited me down to the uh, the listening party at the Star Hill yeah. in Charlottesville. Right. It was right. Pretty, from what I heard, it all sounded great, and it had a had a freshness to it. And wow. the one thing I liked about their their first albums were. You know, even though it was Steve on every album, they all sounded different. So right. for you to come back with this album, from what I've heard, it's the same thing. It's got a it's got a different sound, as, just like those other ones did. And that that gives yeah. me a lot of hope because you know, the band has made so much music and been playing for so long, and they still have that energy in them to kick something like this out. It's encouraging. That's right. For them to find something new, you know, because I mean, you know, these guys have been playing music together for a long time. Oh yeah, and to find something new in each other and find a new place to start from at this point in their careers, I yep. think it's unbelievable. Not a lot of bands can do that. For me, but, you know, it was an unbelievable experience to me to watch. Wow. You know, I mean, it was just an unbelievable experience to me to watch. You know, this band that I love find something new. Damn. So, what would you say your proudest moment or proudest song from the sessions, from both a productive standpoint and a personal one? Uh, from a personal standpoint. Um, well, see, again, I think the, al- the album and, and, and what the, the fans or people who go by the record still have to understand is the purpose, the record is made to be listened to loud. And I think when you heard it, you probably heard it loud. Yep, you know, oh yeah. First listen, turn it up, because that's the, 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 the record has that energy in it for you to stand up. <laughs> see, when I record with artists, my goal has always been not just, you know, you know, the slickest performance of this and the hippest performance of that, it's always been emotion, emotion. The mm-hmm. records I go back to time and time again, you know, you know, you know, they have this really pure sense of emotion yep. in the delivery in the delivery of the songs. Um, sometimes, you know, some song didn't have this part that I liked or that part that I liked, but then sometimes it's that pure emotion. You know, Grateful Dead has that on a lot of the songs, you know, Sly Stone yeah. has it. On, on a lot of his songs, just that pure sense of like, I'm giving you my heart on this song. You know, you know, I'm giving you my heart. I mean, I know, you know, okay, maybe the drums are not EQ'd right, <laughs> but my right. heart is on this, and you feel that. And those are the records I go back to. And when I was recording the band, I did have a really special moment where uh, Dave sings the song, and uh, out of my hands, that is probably the purest emotion for me that I got to during the recording experience. It's in hearing him sing that song in that way with those intentions and for him to be that relaxed and that loose.
now I, now I cannot wait to hear that. You got me all fired up. Out of my hands. He's just singing this beautiful, beautiful song. And it's all emotion for me. It's, you know what I'm saying? Somebody might hear it and say, you know, maybe at 50 megahertz, there's a vibrating sound. <laughs> that might happen. Uh, but oh. the emotion is there. I just, I, I really, I really love that one right there. It has the biggest emotional connection for me. Well, that's really cool. Well, I guess then I'll, I know you're pressed for time. I guess I'll wrap it up by asking you, uh, what do you think the fans will like most about the album? Um, I think that the fans will like the fact that they have this Dave Matthews Band album that they can go to the concert and that they can scream their heads off with him and enjoy this thing with him. I think that the, the, the songs, you know, the band has always been known that for their songs to evolve mm-hmm. at times. You know, it's the, the the album version is usually the starting point right. of, of what the song eventually becomes. So I think the growth process of seeing what these songs will become and the fact that you can, like, really enjoy yourself in that way, I'm just so looking forward to going to a concert and seeing the people in the audience screaming, stand up, stand up, oh, like man. it is on you know, that I'm, song I'm, sounds great. I heard that, you know, about a 40-second clip, and that's the one that's got me dancing to it the most. Can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see uh, um, the people who really love him, who've been behind him, get to enjoy this. And I'm also looking to forward to seeing the band uh, make that step that I thought that they were making in '98, which is to become a band that has a, a global. It's global, right? A oh yeah, that has a, a major global impact. Now, I think what the band has to say, and the guys in the band have to say, is so important. Uh, I think the way they work together and the way that they are a family, I think it's really important, you know, for the band to be seen by the world. Um, so when I first started seeing them, you know, back, I think it was, I think it was either 97, 98, or it was around the time, again, was, they were doing some European yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's a German Bunch stuff, of, and yeah. There was a long run in Amsterdam. It was great, you know. I, and I'm thinking, like, hey, this band is, you know, going to be playing, you know, the same venues or the same audiences in Europe that U2 plays. Oh, yeah, that's and right. And so my hope is that somehow that the record companies and then the fans themselves can all like collectively work together to make sure that the record is heard and, and, and the record is embraced in, 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 uh, in other countries. Well, it's cool because um, I don't know if you've been to the website, the Ants Marching, but we have a ton of members from all kinds of countries, like I think like 50 or 60 countries we have we have visitors right. from. So that's one good thing about it because, you know, they come on pretty often and they're contributing and part of the part of the discussion. So uh, definitely when we put this up on the site, which will be tomorrow, if not tonight, um, yeah. you definitely should check it out and uh, read up the write-up because uh, looking online for you, your, your, your name isn't as out there. There's not a ton of information on you. So, right, um, right. I'm, I'm behind the scenes. Yeah, you're, de- you're definitely <laughs> low key there. So uh, we're, we're hoping to uh, explode you onto the scene because I got I got to be honest, this interview's been incredible, Mark. You've been more than forthcoming, and uh, a lot of cool information, a lot of stuff that I think people are going to love to hear about you. Great, 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 man. Keep for your time. Mark, this has been great. Thank you, and congratulations. The album sounds great so far. I'm glad. I'm glad you enjoyed it, man. That, that makes me feel good. Well, I hope they work with you more if, if the uh, if the rest of the album's as good as what I've heard. Take care.